Well, hello and welcome to the bright side here on News Radio 93.1, also on 540 AM, yes, right? Yes. Uh, this is a show that's about helping you to help others. It's just about helping people. It's a show about nice things. You that's know? right. Like the bright side of things. Um, <laughs> I am here. Uh, as always, with my father, Joel Hunter, uh, which also happens to be my name. That's both of us. Uh, and if you uh, decide to call in, which will be a challenge because we don't know the number <laughs> we, here. And we don't accept phone calls because <laughs> we don't want any negative feedback. But it would be a downer for our day. <laughs> that's exactly, and it's all about how we feel. That's exactly right. Speaking of which, <laughs> oh, I couldn't quit yawning. Uh, I know you're killing me. Yeah, over I know. I uh, uh, I think it's low oxygen in the room. That's all. I think I'm hypoxic. That's what I think. Is I'm that trying. right? I don't know. Probably not. But uh, <laughs> I have no idea which, what either, that is. Either way, I'm feeling pepped up now. I feel, okay. I feel better. You know why? Why? It's knowing that there are tens, maybe dozens of people listening. <laughs> no way. Across The pressure is on. All across Central Florida. That's right. And so I, we, we got to bring our <clears throat> A game. So today, uh, <clears throat> we're talking about homelessness. We are. And we have a cape crusader in the room. We do. She actually has a cape on. She does. She does. It's very nice. She does. Uh, that, a lot of times that's just a uh, just a euphemism, but she actually wore one. <laughs> it, says, it says cape crusader on. <laughs> so we'll be, uh, we will be uh, bringing in our guests during our next segment, uh, uh, which is, we're very excited about that because uh, um, homelessness is, is a problem people don't really uh, unless they listen to this show, they don't really know uh, it, it exists uh, in a sphere outside of what we're typically aware of. You know, you think of homelessness, you think of a, of a, a drunk guy uh, sitting in, in a door uh, frame of a shop wearing a bunch of hats and just sleeping. Uh, and, uh, but that's only 20 percent. <laughs> <laughs> that is only 20 percent of our population. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, but, but there's 80 percent of homelessness that's 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 much it's a much more sympathetic picture. I mean, I think if you if you can get a a, a wide enough, uh, deep enough worldview, the first one's a sympathetic picture too. But absolutely, but everyone that sees uh, the that knows that there's families of homelessness. There, there are people like the the whole family right. uh, is precariously housed. You know, the next the next uh, bill that hits that's an unexpected thing, a medical bill, a yeah. sickness, things like that. Yeah. Uh, and they're out on the streets. That, that's, that's a constant, it's a constant reactive state yeah. of life, you know? Um, well, so, but, yeah. but who we're going to be talking about tonight are the first category. Yes. Uh, chronic homelessness, um, which necessarily involves some sort of uh, disability. Yeah. Uh, rather, uh, either physical or mental or developmental or, addiction type of disability. And that's, that's basically who our, that's mainly who our Cape Crusader, mm-hmm. who um, is primarily responsible with the distribution of government funding and resourcing uh, for some very important um, services in our community. So speaking of that, what do you think, you know, what, what if you, if you had to say, come up with 10 solutions to cut poverty. Uh, Could you think of those off the top of your head? Well, I I could if I were the Center for American Progress. Yes. 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 Uh, Because I I just happened to stumble over (laughs) because our research department, who happens to be in the next room. She's brilliant. (laughs) she, she, She said, why don't you guys talk about, just start talking about 10 ways to cut poverty. Now, because... The Center for American Progress, which I think may be a tad liberal. They do seem to lean that way, judging by the 10 that I read. Yeah. <laughs> they didn't They didn't actually attach a cost to these, uh-huh. but they're all great ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's kind of like, you know, Will Rogers at the uh, at um, earlier in the last century 
had a solution for German U-boats or, or submarines. Um, and his solution was, um, we'll just boil the ocean. Yeah. And, and somebody said, well, how do you do that? And he said, look, I've given you the solution. You work out the details. I, I love I tell you, Will Rogers, uh, I feel like he must have done something with the lasso after a lot of his jokes, just because a lot of them I just don't under, I don't understand. He's like, and now we've shrunk it down the Navy to fit in the bathtub, too. And you're just like, what? I don't even, <laughs> I don't know if it was, you lose something over time or what. Or if he just did a little hip skip thing with the lasso and everybody's like, oh, this guy. He was folksy. Yeah, That's a- he was. He was. He might be the folksiest of all of all comedians. Will, him and Jim Gaffigan, those are the two. <laughs> uh, and Gaffigan rarely uses a lasso. Um, so, so these uh, solutions to cut poverty, the yeah. idea behind them um, uh, is, is hard to come up with really great ways to uh, lift people out of poverty uh, because we can't just make a bunch of money. You can't right. print a bunch of money. Right. That leads to inflation. Uh, oh, look at you. Yep. You yep. are Mr. Economist. Yes, yes. Thank you. Uh, uh, did they, they have... Economy in med school? Um, no, but we had a whole uh, semester just about the crumbling of the Weimar Republic and uh, <laughs> learned a lot about inflation and during that. That's comforting to Yeah, know. I remember being like, when are we going to use this? And today I eat my words. <laughs> I should have known. So, uh, so what do you, how do you attack, how do you attack a problem? Like it's just cause poverty is, uh, there's, there's a lot of it. Um, it's, it's like, a, a lot of the population, uh, is at the poverty line or, it, or, you know, 150% yeah. of the poverty line, which is, uh, which is something in the range of $10,000 a year. If you're uh, a single person, right? yeah, our, the, our, our, yeah. our guests will be able to, um, cite these numbers more, um, more precisely, but yeah, I think that's that's in the neighborhood mm-hmm. uh, of the the poverty line. And and what what the what our research department came up with uh, these ten solutions to cut poverty, all of them are great idea, but they're but they're very complicated. Like mm-hmm. you know, the first one is create jobs. Well, duh, you know, um, <laughs> you're right. That is a lot like the boil the ocean. <laughs> I know. Yeah, all you got to do is create jobs. Well, okay. <laughs> Well, but here's the problem. Our our unemployment rate right now is uh, 3.9. I can't, I can't even remember what the figure is, but it's the lowest it's been in, you know, 30 years or something. Um, and we still have a um, significant portion of our population in poverty. Mm-hmm. Um, even the uh, working people, and, and there are a lot of working poor, that's, a, that's actually a term, um, and so creating jobs is not necessarily um, a, a universal solution. Yeah, well, and it's challenging when if you work a minimum wage job uh, in order to uh, support a family of four, you have to work, I think it's something like 100 hours a week or yeah, something like that. Yeah, 102 hours. 102 hours yeah. uh, at a minimum wage job, which because minimum wage currently I think is 725. Yeah. Um, you know what it was when I got my first job? Yeah. Four thirty-five an hour. Is that right? Yep. When, when you worked McDonald's, when I was working at McDonald's, yeah. it was four thirty-five an hour, and I just felt like I was living on Easy Street. <laughs> it was the best. Well, your expenses were kind of taken care of. They so. really were. Thanks for that, by the way. That was really. <laughs> you're you're very welcome. It, it let me spend all my money on just. Uh, I remember being really proud that I could buy toothpicks. I don't know why. <laughs> I had seen it in a movie. You had to be. You know, when you're in high school, you got to have toothpicks. Yeah, you got to have just like kind of hanging. Yeah, out like a thing. You know. 
know, yeah. like, uh, uh, you know, since I didn't, I should have gotten a lasso. Done, done worked in my. <laughs> there you go. You know, I've been like this school. The chicken coops got wolves <laughs> watching over the farmhouse, and then do some lasso tricks. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let me give you another oh, solution. Yeah. We've only done one, <laughs> but we digress. Yeah, we have like that's right. We have like two minutes. I know, break. I know, and, and and we're still we're still trying to cure property. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the next one is this is a very popular one. Raise the minimum wage. Okay. Good idea. Mm -hmm. Complicated, though. Yeah. Because if you go to a certain level, and again, our Cape Crusader uh, guest can tell us this, that if you simply give someone, raise somebody's salary level, then they start to lose benefits um, that were important to, to keep them employed. For example, child care. So if you, if you give somebody $15 an hour, but they lose their child care, there goes the raise. So it's just a little bit more complicated than let's just give everybody more money. Yeah. And uh, and and then there was, a, yeah, you're right. Because, I mean, some of those benefits, I remember working in clinics where the clinic was a, it was a, it was a, a charitable clinic, you know, where doctors would volunteer their hours. Uh, but it was specifically designed for people that were slightly too wealthy to classify, you know, to be able to be on, on Medicaid. Right. Uh, and they were in this gap between the two. And that's, and that's a, that's a tough place to be. Uh, and then, uh, there were some other ones, uh, expanding Medicaid and um, having uh, schedules that work act uh, was one of those where you'd have to have schedules known two weeks in advance and you couldn't be punished for asking for time off and all that stuff. Um, but basically, it was trying to figure out how do we how do we get more people employed, making more money doing that, and then uh, do an effective job of having the government take care of people that can't do that for one reason or another. Right. Um, and uh, just like boil in the ocean, you know, that's the solution. That's right. Uh, and so, uh, but luckily today with us, we have somebody who uh, is, uh, who knows how to boil the ocean. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and and what to do in the meantime. So the, the executive. <laughs> it's going to be a slow boil. The executive director of the Homeless Services uh, Network of Central Florida uh, is, is an organization that uh, helps uh, to direct government funds into the most effective uh, tunnels or funnels and uh, and and is is uh, really kind of leading the way on some of the new initiatives on how to how to cure homelessness and uh, I'm very excited to talk to her and we will when we get back from this break. Hello and welcome back to the bright side. This is a show that's just about uh, how to help people. Yep. Gotta, gotta help, help somebody. somebody. <laughs> <laughs> we gotta sing, a, sing oh, a little song. All those hours of practice paid off. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, Pop and I have been going door to door for years singing songs. And, uh, I know a lot of people do this just around Christmas time with carols. No, nope, not us. All, we do it all year. Uh, we're like, it's April now. Flowers blooming. So today we are talking about homelessness. Uh, and Pop, uh, you know our guest. Uh, you know all the really interesting people. <laughs> I don't know anyone. Uh, but why, why don't you introduce her? Well, I am I, I love this, this person because she is... Uh, First of all, she's so delightful. Um, we met um, a few years ago when she came into town. Martha, how long have you been in town? Just a little over three years. Okay, a little over three years. So I wasn't too far away. And, and so I said, and I was just coming up on um, my term as the chairman of the Central Florida Commission on Homelessness. And and um, and so, and Martha had come into a mess. I mean, this, this we were not functioning well for the homeless. Uh, we didn't have the right structure. We didn't have the right um, software. Um, and the database was a, was a wreck. Um, and somehow they brought this highly talented woman here. And, and also, 
she loves to read and I love to read. Hmm. And so she'll give me books and, and will you know, really interesting oh, stuff. Yeah, that's the and, way to your heart right now. Oh, there, I man. know, yeah. man. Uh, and, and so anyhow, <clears throat> Martha R. Um, is, a, is a person who um, is the centerpiece of the federal funding, the money we get from HUD, um, which is about seven and a half million a year. Very good. Oh, thank you. I'm impressed. Well, well, don't. <laughs> that's the only one I know. Um, but but she um, helps us um, distribute that and helps resource um, 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 agencies in the continuum of care. We'll define all these as we go through, um, so that we can have this coordinated system of care. Um, for those most vulnerable, most in need, and that is our chronic homeless. Um, so, Martha, um, before I um, just wax on for the rest of the program, let me ask you, um, give us some of your background. You know, what 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 got you interested in work like this? It's terribly frustrating. It's, it's, there's always more problems than solutions. Um, um, but yet you have hung in there. What what at first kind of wired you for this ministry or this service of compassion? Um, and then how did you come to Central Florida to, to agree to come to Central Florida? Well, I think you're right on point uh, with your little slip there. Um, I come from a long line of clergy. I think my niece is like, I don't know, eighth generation or something. Oh, wow. So uh, the, the ministry runs through the family, kind of skipped over me, which is a good thing uh, in lots of ways. But uh, in my family, you know, dinnertime conversation was frequently about um, poverty and justice and what we could do different and uh, uh, family members taking lots of trips overseas to third world countries and looking at all kinds of faces of poverty across the, across the world. And so I think I was just sensitized to mm-hmm. it pretty early um, and I, you know, when I was in high school, I kind of toyed with, yeah, maybe I could be a missionary and I could go overseas and do cool stuff. And then they told me how many shots you had to get overseas. <laughs> and I was like, I'm not having that. So then I was like, well, where can, you know, basically homelessness is the most extreme face of poverty we have mm-hmm. stateside. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, that was just kind of my calling and it's all I've ever been interested in doing. So it's all I've done since uh, 1986. Wow. What's your background educationally? Social work. Okay. Um, which to me is like saying I have a degree in common sense. <laughs> um, uh, my social work uh, teachers didn't like it when I would talk that way. But um, <clears throat> yeah, it, it's just about trying to fix systems and, and looking at people holistically and um, I recognized in myself pretty early on that I wasn't really good at doing the direct service, working with people directly, because I, uh, you're supposed to have boundaries when you do that, and I have the boundaries of a sponge. Um, and so people be like coming home with me and crying like that. You're not supposed to do that. So um, I had to shift into uh, and try and use uh, what talents I'd been given in a different way. And so um, moved more over time and did a variety of different things with the homeless population, community organizing with them and running various agencies and worked at state level up in North Carolina and then really wanted to come here because um, this region was 
just on the precipice of doing some really exciting work mm. and making some incredible changes in changing their approach and taking some gambles and investing in some new solutions and and some evidence-based best practice. And I was excited about being a part of that. Yeah. Um, and knowing that the region was going to make a difference, make a positive difference. And I really wanted to be a part of that change. So when you're talking about the the stuff that brought you, uh, and just to re- reintroduce for anybody that's just tuning in, this is the, the Bright Side, and we're talking to Martha R., who's the executive director of the Homeless Services Network of Central Florida, which basically means the government says, here's, here's the money we've allocated to help Central Florida with, with homelessness specifically from the from housing and urban development is, and, and you and then they say um, distribute this as you as you see it would be best I, I guess this is why I don't have your job uh, <laughs> that I, might be a good thing I, yeah, I guess I'd be like great um, <laughs> well she um, d- is, just just to add I know just enough about this to be dangerous but they have this incredible staff that spends a good portion of their year crafting, government requests to the government for these particular funds, uh, and it's won by award. Um, and so um, they don't just give it on on the basis of population. They give it on the basis of, um, can you show us results? Can you show us um, <clears throat> things that you're trying to do that we can invest in? Um, and so they have an overwhelming uh, task in <clears throat> submitting um, what what do you what's a NOFA? What what is that? Uh, NOFA means notice of funding availability, but we're we're basically submitting an application. Yeah, application. We're submitting, that's, that's submitting an application saying. for funds to. <clears throat> so yeah. yeah. So when you're in North Carolina and you and you and you say I'm I want to come to Orlando because there's some some exciting stuff going on. Um, what is that stuff? Is it is it a different approach? Uh, you know, the problem's the same. I would imagine if if you know homelessness is probably. A similar type of problem where people are no matter what because it's they don't have a home. Uh, but the solutions probably are, are different in different places. Was there a different uh, approach to it that that drew you in that made you want to be here? The region was just really in an exciting place because um, in some ways the population is the same, in some ways difference, in some ways the agencies are the same and different. But I would say across the country we'd been using one approach. And uh, you know, a while back, we started getting some new data, new information that was telling us we could change that approach and be more effective. And some communities were willing to embrace that new information and change what they were doing, and some were not. And this region was willing to embrace that new information, that new data, and change its approach. And so um, I was fortunate enough to come here right at the time when people were saying, okay, we'll give it a try. We're going to try something different um, and see if we can make a difference. And that's a scary thing for folks to do um, and an exciting thing for folks to do. But the result is we're now housing people at a rate that the community had never done before um, and spending our dollars, spending those hard applied for, hard, hard fought for competitive dollars in a completely different way, funding agencies to do things that they'd never done before um, and getting people into housing and keeping people in housing and making a positive impact in this community in a way that had never happened before. Yeah. Um, is uh, Since we have to go to a break in about, in about a minute, uh, can you just do a relatively brief summary of what the way that uh, like that wasn't as good, you know, the way you said they were, or is it just there's so many that it's hard to say? No, in a nutshell, we've gone from how many people did you serve 
to how many people did you house? Hmm. Yeah. Well, there you go. And and basically, if uh, the antidote to homelessness is housing, the opposite of being without a home is having a home. Hmm. And so focusing on getting people housed and then doing whatever it takes to keep them there. Gotcha. Um, so we have to go to a break now, but when we come back, uh, since everything is more complicated, the deeper you get into it, uh, we'll, we'll ask a little bit more about how uh, you actually accomplish that. We'll be back in just a minute. Welcome back to The Bright Side. Today we are talking to Martha R. And that is uh, not to protect her identity. That is her whole last name. A-R-E. Sometimes she needs protection. Yeah. Uh, I I realized uh, earlier that when we said R, uh, it might just sound like a R with a period. But no, no, A-R-E, I because I checked beforehand. I was worried that it was uh, more French sounding than I thought. But no, just solid American. That's it. That's it. So... I was debating whether or not to tell you this, but I feel like it's relevant. Uh, I have two uncles, uh, both of my mom's brothers, and their first name is R, just the letter R. Yeah, uh, no true. period or anything. Yeah, that's, uh, that's, uh, they both are named R. So anyway. It's a good thing uh, we didn't get married. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's right. RR. They could have taken your name. So um, we uh, are are talking to you about uh, the the overall approach uh, to, to fixing homelessness, the goal um, that everybody would like, even people that, uh, that don't have a, a necessarily a, a, you know, what they would call a bleeding heart for this, uh, they, uh, it would benefit society tremendously for homelessness to no longer exist. Um, and this housing first idea is something that um, I've heard about a, a couple of times, mostly because I hang out with this guy, with my dad. Um, can you? Can you? We have really boring family discussions. <laughs> we do. We do. Like, can't we talk about football? Not really. I don't want. So, what? What's the idea with housing first? What uh, in in fixing it? So, uh, as the name would suggest, mm-hmm. it really is about putting people in housing as the first uh, therapeutic intervention. That that is the most helpful thing that you can do for somebody is to get them off the streets and into housing. And what, uh, including with these kind of long-term homeless population and people who are on the streets who have disabilities. And that's been the most challenging group for communities for many, many years. Um, but I know, it's, I know it's a passion for the community because nobody wants, nobody wants to live in a community where you say, gosh, if you have a disability, we'll let you sleep outside. No, nobody feels good about that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, what, uh, again, what the research taught us was that uh, preparing people to move into housing was not near as effective as just going ahead and putting them in housing and then figuring out how to keep them there. And that's the, that, in a nutshell, that's what the Housing First premise is. And what's fascinating about it is that it's also less expensive for the community huh. than other interventions. Um, what we know about uh, particularly, uh, th- it's a small subset of the homeless population that are the disabled long-term homeless, which we call the chronic homeless population. Uh, it's a small subset, but they are incredibly expensive on the public dollar because they spend a lot of time going in and out of jails and going in and out of hospitals and detox. And going in and trying to get some help and then being discharged back to the streets, which is not a good therapeutic uh, finale. Yeah. So uh, by putting folks into housing, not only are we improving their quality of life, but we're saving dollars. So we're actually spending a little bit less money and getting a much better outcome, which is good for the individual and good for our communities and good for the public purse. 
It's it's like, how often do we have a social evil where we actually know the solution and it's cost effective and people effective? That doesn't happen very often. You know, we're in in a sweet spot on this. It really is. So so what's harder then? Is it harder to find uh, money or houses? Is it harder? Yep. (laughs) (laughs) You've hit on it right there. How about that? (laughs) We need more NOFAs. (laughs) (laughs) We we need both. This is... um, Resources make a big difference, and um, we're we're in, at a critical place right now in trying to identify some resources. We had to find resources for both uh, to pay for the housing, but also to pay for those services because it doesn't work with housing alone. It's not housing alone; it's housing first. It's housing mm-hmm. first and wraparound services. But in this community, we also, as I'm sure everybody out there knows, or certainly anybody who's been looking for a rental unit for themselves or for their child, you yeah. know, somebody getting out of college, whatever, the um, the rental market here is really tight. Uh, we have one of the most difficult markets, actually, in the country. Um, a recent uh, survey of the 100 largest uh, metropolitan areas, we came in second from the bottom in terms of challenging rental markets for extremely low-income households. So for, huh. for every 100 of those extremely low-income households, we only have 17 units. So that means there's 83 out of 100 that there's not a unit there that they can afford. Um, so we certainly have our challenges in finding units to put folks in um, as well as as paying for those units and paying for the services, um, but we still we move forward. We're making it happen. Uh, we'll continue to move forward with it because it's the right thing to do for the for the folks who we're working with, and it's the right thing to do for the community, and it's the right thing to do for the taxpayer. So when you guys get together and talk about this, because you know, I, Pop, you were on this, you, well, the director or whatever that was of the of the Commission on Homelessness, yeah, yeah chairman um, for a the years. chairman thing. Um, w- when you guys talk through this stuff, uh, if you were just to let uh, a noob like me, an outsider <laughs> who doesn't know very much about it, uh, to kind of like a peek behind the curtain, um, is is the stuff that we're talking about? You know, mostly focused on these. How do we get more dollars in to do this, or is it, or is it? Is there something uh, that's different? People come in and bring different gifts of like, you know, this guy's the housing guy and he knows this stuff. And um, it, the, the collaborative effort to it, what, what, what part of it, uh, what, what do you gain from the collaborative effort of having people from different, you know, for instance, I mean, you're, you're from the church community, you know, mm-hmm. that's, that's mm-hmm. what brought you there. Um, is, it, is it just to try to come up with different solutions or is it try to implement solutions that we already know or how's that work? You said pop earlier. So oh yeah, you kicked it down, oh, yeah. but I don't. And they I don't, can't. They can't see that I then <laughs> stared at you intently after. <laughs> well, that's right. I forgot who I was talk, talking to. Yeah. So yeah. Well, let me let me start it, and then and then quickly, uh, Martha, you chime in because you know this so much better than I do. I'm still very much an amateur here, uh, but I think what we've tried to do in the last couple of years <clears throat> is we've tried to um, to coordinate. Um, what each of us can do can do well. We've tried to define the lanes that we swim in, so to speak. Um, and so um, we know that whereas the the solution is fairly simple, um, the different subsets of the population and what each of us can do to be a part of the remedy um, is very different. As you mentioned at the beginning, Joel, my what the church community can do, what the faith community can do, is much more um, helpful to the family homelessness because they don't have the same clinical um, or professional um, 
demands or, or intervention um, um, needs that the chronic folks do. Mm. Um, and so with, the, with, with chronic folks, um, not only are we looking to put them into housing, but every one of them has a case manager. Every one of them has a set of professionals for particular needs that, that uh, got them there and keeps them there. Uh, in family homelessness, many times it's just one of those, you know, unforeseen emergencies mm-hmm. that has now either put them on the street or has them couch surfing or in a very cheap motel or something like that. So, um, but I would be interested in what Martha would say about um, what w- kind of how we are doing as a community as we try to um, operate with this newly coordinated system. Um, Martha is kind of the, Martha runs the lead agency for um, chronic homelessness in, in our region. Um, but, but she also, you know, has to see how these other organizations fit in um, so that they can do their best as well. So Martha, it's to you. All right. Yeah, I think those are, those are good points. And you're exactly right. There is a lot to the collaboration. We call that in uh, the term that we use is called the continuum of care, where we have multiple partners, multiple agencies that are working on the same issue. And uh, we're working both with the chronic homeless and all other literally homeless people. Um, chronic homeless populations really only, only about 20% of your annual unduplicated count of literally homeless people. Um, but in that, what the, again, part of this shift that's happened in recent years, which is so exciting, is that I bet, I don't know, probably half of your dozen listeners have served on some kind of non, <laughs> nonprofit board. That's right. That's no- why they're listening, because they're, they're already sold. <laughs> right. And so um, most of those agencies uh, and those boards, the agencies were created to fulfill some type of a mission. And they're accountable for that mission, and they're accountable to that board of directors. And now, in the last three years, we're adding a level of a community accountability, mm-hmm. where we're, where those agencies are also saying, "This is kind of what we do. This is our sweet spot. This is what we specialize in. But how can we tweak it in a way that it's more effective at braiding with what everybody else is doing for the specific purpose of getting people into housing? Mm-hmm. What can we do?" in our part, to help somebody move on that pathway from being unhoused to being housed. And can we change anything or not? So that's that's what we do at, with that collaboration, with that continuum of care, and changing the way our system's working right now. So the thing I keep hearing and kept reading about, as I because as ignorant as I sound on this, I actually, you'd never believe it, but I did try to research some of this stuff, mostly work from the research department. But yes. uh, so something that I keep uh, hearing and, and keeps coming up uh, that I want to talk about when we come back from break is this idea of the continuum of care, because uh, it sounds really helpful. Uh, so we're going to talk about that when we come back. We'll be see you in a minute. Welcome back to The Bright Side. Uh, This is the final segment. It's the final segment of the show. It's the last dance. Uh, Did you ever go to a dance when you had a girlfriend and it was the last uh, dance and you knew it? uh, No. 
No. Uh, <laughs> thanks for thanks for that painful. Sorry. <laughs> I searched my memory banks and just came up empty. <laughs> yeah. I should have known that yeah. actually. Man, for real. I, I was like, I was like, I should. No, no. I'm not gonna be able to make up names that quickly. <laughs> I sure okay. did with Georgina Glass. Um, so we are talking today to Martha R, uh, who is again, if you're just tuning in, uh, that's her. That her last name is A R E. I just feel like I uh, want people to know that that's not just an R with a period. Um, and so you're the executive director of the Homeless Services Network of Central Florida. Um, and that involves something that I believe is federally de uh, designated a continuum of care as someone who uh, literally can't understand it, which is me. Uh, would How would you explain that to someone who just is uh, asking, how's that work and what's it mean? I think the best way to think of it is just as a collaboration of agencies that are excited about and committed to the same vision. And it's, so it's any agency or any stakeholder, anybody, any organization, uh, any faith group that says it's important to us that people not live on the streets and that we end homelessness in our community and they're all uh, invited to be uh, members and participate could, could in these conversations. Could you name some that would be familiar to the folks Yeah, the Coalition for the Homeless and the Salvation Army and the Rescue Mission and Family Promise and Healthcare Center for the Homeless and Pathways Home and Community-Based Cares. There's a whole long list of, of organizations that are part of our continuum of care. Um, and they all collaborate in this process now of identifying people and getting them housed and you know, through that partnership, we've we're doing things we've never done before. Like right now, we know people who live on the streets. We know the people who are unsheltered in our community. We know them by name. We have outreach workers and we have other folks who go out and identify folks, identify families and individuals who are sleeping in their cars or sleeping outside in any place not really meant for humans to sleep. <laughs> and we we have them on a list. And we have a by-name list. We know who these people are, and we know things about them, and we use that information to identify exactly who is the most vulnerable. And by that, I mean, candidly, who's most likely to die on the streets next if we don't get them help? Mm. And we, that's how we prioritize our limited resources. Who's the most vulnerable on the streets, which almost always is synonymous with who's the most expensive to the public dollar. Mm, yeah. And so it's a win-win either way. Mm -hmm. um, and so we have, we call that the coordinated entry system. And we have a list of people who are chronically homeless. And we have list of literally homeless families. And we have list of uh, homeless veterans. And we work on those lists and we identify the most vulnerable. And then we take those folks and we tie them, link them to available when there's availability among services and availability for housing support, and then try and find a landlord who's willing to work with them. Um, and so... How, how do you, Martha, um, I think you have a, a housing locator, is that right? I mean, how, tell us how you find open units in such a tight market. We beg really well, uh, <laughs> do a lot of presentations, go, you know, speaking to realtors groups and other landlord associations, investors groups, uh, going out knocking on doors, chasing down signs, you know, uh, taking leads from other community members and taking leads from some of the clients themselves who are out, who are also trying to help find housing that they can live in. Go and talk to those landlords and talk to them about the benefits of participating in our program that we're going to be able to, they, the rent's pretty solid. They're going to, the rent is let's, insured. Let's talk about that. Let's do a little 
invitation here on, on the air um, for both uh, if you're a landlord uh, or if you know of available housing, um, tell us why it would be a really good idea to think about being open to uh, permanent supporting housing folks. If you're a landlord that, that works with low-income families and individuals, then um, you know that that can be tough work. And part of part of what we bring to the table is, again, we've got guaranteed rent. Um, so you're going to get paid your rent. We've got assistance with families to help them and individuals to help them with their deposits and those types of things. But these families and individuals also come with case managers. And so it's not a put somebody in the unit and never talk to them again and you're, held, you're all responsible. But these folks have, again, this uh, wraparound supports and these case managers, uh, kind of different from the past, but right now their focus is solely on how do I keep this person housed? How do I make sure they comply with their lease? That's the that's their function, and that's that's been that's been a huge benefit to keeping people stably housed. We also that housing locator group that you talked about. That staff they are available to landlords twenty four seven. So if a landlord has an issue with a client that comes up with one of their tenants who's one of our program participants. They've got a number they can call right away, and um, our staff will then identify the case manager and get some help out to make sure that uh, the landlord doesn't have to play case manager mm-hmm. when they don't really want to do that. They just yeah. want to be landlord. Yeah. And so we help make sure that landlords get to do what they want to do That's right. and what they're paid to do. Now, if somebody knew of opened or some some units available or, or wanted to um, be a resource uh, to get some folks' house— who would they contact? Like, yeah, that's, how, that's a great question. That was what you. I was going to okay, ask. Okay, good. No, that's uh, thank you. I was, I didn't, I didn't know if everyone just knew that, but 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 me. No, so that's good. I, I, yeah. yeah. I think the easiest thing to remember uh, would be info at hsncfl.org. Send us an email, and somebody will follow up with you like really quick. Okay, so good. Info at hsncfl.org. Hsncfl.org. Central, Central Florida. Yeah, yeah, CFL Central Florida and H- homeless. Services Network. That'd yeah, be the HSN. That's right. That's right. Sure. Not the not the shopping. Yeah, that's network. what I was going to say. Know, they, they, they're very similar to it's, each other. It's dot com or dot org. org. Dot org. Okay. Info at hsncfl dot org. That's perfect. Good so, job. Okay, so that's uh, that's if if somebody. Uh, is just now tuning in and they're like, why do they keep saying this email address? It's because <laughs> there's a program to, uh, we, we've realized, uh, you realized it first uh, before anyone else, uh, that if you get housing first, then it really makes everything after that much, much easier to cure chronic homelessness. It, it fixes it. Uh, and then there's support along with that, but you have to find the housing. And so that's, if people are, are looking to participate in that, um, they're a landlord or something, then they could send an email there. And it's guaranteed rent because it's it's supported. Especially for the one-bedrooms. If you got a one-bedroom mm. at, at a, an affordable rate, then we can pretty much guarantee we can fill that really, really quick. Yeah. That is great. It sounds like if you have a one-bedroom, you should email info at hsncfl.org. Um, so we, uh, we are, we're coming up on our, on our closing moments here. Um, first off, thanks for what you do in the community. Thank I mean, you, it Martha. really, it really is. Uh, and, and for a lot of us that don't, uh, that aren't in the trenches and don't know, you know, uh, uh how, how many helpers there are, uh, it's, it's just, uh, it's really inspiring just to hear somebody like you talk about what you do. Cause I know to you, it's just kind of like, well, yeah, this, this is what my job is, but for the rest of us, it's just, it's really inspiring. 
um, how you helped. So I'm really happy. I'm glad you knew. I'm glad you knew her. I know. Me yeah. too. I'm glad I know her. I mean, what a wonderful person to know. Um, and for uh, for those of you listening, uh, again, if you have uh, any any uh, questions or you're interested in helping in some way, uh, you would just send an email to info at hsncfl.org. Um, and if you are just looking for uh, some other ways that you might be able to help uh, in general, uh, then you can go to a website that's just simple.help. Uh, and that's a website where it says, hey, here's what we're doing in the community uh, today. Uh, and it's a simple thing that you can do to help your neighbor uh, that takes five minutes or less or costs $5 or less. Uh, and that's it for tonight. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for being here. Thank you for the invitation. It's been a great conversation. Have a wonderful night. We'll see you tomorrow.